Good afternoon. What's up, everybody? It's your boy LJ Johnson. This is the L. You're listening to the LJ Show on GemOKC86Radio.com. Thank you for joining us today. We got a lot to get into. I'm going to continue the uh, discussion on police reform and also uh, the Christian view of knowledge and the apologetics one-on-one lesson plan. Uh, NBA playoffs. I watched uh, some of it. I'll talk about it. And I want to talk about the MLB, Major League Baseball. The spring game, OU spring game, is this Saturday. Uh, Go get your ticket so you can enjoy the spring game with the family. Well, I say the family, but $15. uh, It just depends on how much money you got laying around. 405-801-963 is our text line. 405-801-963. That is our text line. We got new music. For my boy Paul Bill Jr., uh, his album just came out uh, two weeks ago, and it's great. It's a great album. You can find his music on jamalkyc86radio.com. Also on any platforms that you listen to music on. Uh, this is the LJ Show. Y'all keep it locked right here on jamalkyc86radio.com or whatever podcast platform you're to and on. Uh, also, that reminds me, download our podcast on whatever podcast platform that you like to listen to podcasts on. Uh, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, whatever whatever podcast platform you listen to it on, uh, go ahead and download our pod, download our podcast, share our show, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok if you haven't done so already at the LJ Show. You can also follow the station at Jamoke eighty six Radio on TikTok, um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Go ahead and give us a follow. Uh, this is the LJ Show. I am LJ Johnson, your host. Once again, our text line is 405-801-9663. I'll be right back, guys. There is healing in the room with you. And there is breakthrough in the room with you. And there is power in the room with you. So come on in the room. Come on in the room. Help me sing it out. There is freedom in the room with you. There is safety. There is safety in the room with you. There is deliverance. Deliverance in the room with you. So come on in the room. There is breakthrough. Come on, let's move with it. There is breakthrough in the room with you. There is power. There is power in the room with you. So come on in the room. Come on in the room. Come on in the room. There is freedom right now. There is freedom in the room with you. There is safety right now. Let's say. So come on in the room, oh. so come on in the room. 
That that is our text line for today and forever, forever, ever, ever. Today is also the Oklahoma Oklahoma City Community Resource Spotlight. Who is going to be in the spotlight today as far as the resources available here in Oklahoma City? Uh, Also, if we remind you that I I am accepting uh, any... Any suggestions as far as this goes? If you have a uh, resource in in the city that you know of, uh, we've already gone over the um, Urban League, Oklahoma, and and also the Oklahoma City Dream Center. But if you have a um, a, sp- a resource that you know about, go ahead and let us know at four zero five eight zero one nine six six three, or send us an email at support at jamokc eighty six radio dot com. That's support at jamokc eighty six radio dot com. Would police reform uh, actually work if Congress passed it? Uh, we're, we're talking about police brutality. Is it a real problem this week? That is our discussion this week, along with uh, the Christian view of knowledge. The Christian view of knowledge concept comes out of the Apologetics 101 lesson plan uh, that's written by Brad Anderson. Uh, so right now, today, we're going to focus on the politics behind 
police reform and police brutality being a real problem. Nationwide, people are calling for police reform and change in use of force tactics in the wake of George Floyd's death at the hands of police. The imminent threat that black men face on a daily basis, and right now, too often, it is law enforcement. We understand that the people aren't just hungry, they're hungry for justice. In the last few weeks, chokeholds have been banned in Minneapolis, the state of New York, and across the country. I mean, I get, I, I mean, yes, uh, black men are killed high, at a higher rate than white men as far as at the hands of the police. But as far as being killed, period, overall, it is not by the hands of police. It is by our own. We kill more in homicides and car crashes than by police officers. California is also moving to ban such neck restraints. And Congress has been debating legislation that would encourage bans on chokeholds, limit qualified immunity for officers, and create a national database of police misconduct. But so far, they failed to agree on anything. We don't spend a lot of time holding police officers accountable for their misdeeds. And if we were to do that, then we would have fewer protests. But more importantly, we would have fewer unarmed people killed, particularly unarmed people of color. So how could policing change in this country? And will Congress be able to agree on effect? How is that going to happen? Like, uh, if you, um, what law can be changed that will affect? Because we got to look at the reason behind what's causing us to resist arrest. What industry, what institution is saying it's okay to resist arrest amongst black men or black people? I'm going to say people because I kept saying um, black men all week. It's really black. Women get killed too. Women have gotten killed. Uh, what what industry is telling us that it's okay to resist arrest? And how will a bill affect that? If you pass a bill to affect police reform, what bill can you pass that's going to change our mindset? An idea. How can you defeat an idea? How can you defeat the idea behind it's okay to resist arrest? Because that's what starts most of it, is resisting arrest. A police officer, for the most part, the average 98%, I say 98% of police officers just want to go to work and go home. They don't want to be messing with nobody on the street. They don't want to be wrestling with nobody. They want to go to work. Uh, maybe have to go pull somebody over. Uh, or give a parking ticket, and that's about it. They don't even want to have to do that, really. They want to protect the community. You know, they want to take bad guys to jail. But they rather not have to deal with anybody. I mean... Uh, well, maybe, maybe they rather do because when to be a police officer, you, you want to be a police officer because you want to protect the community. You want to take bad guys off the street, you know. So maybe they do. Maybe they do want to take bad guys off the street, and then that right there makes them want to get involved with some things. But as far as wrestling with people on the ground and all that stuff, and deal with people that's resisting arrest, and they don't want to have to pull their firearm. They don't. To reform? The police do two things really well. They detain and they use force. They spend way more time training on that than they do anything else. Dr. Lorenzo Boyd spent 14 years as a sheriff's deputy. He says his experience in law enforcement has helped frame his research on police issues. Many police departments have roughly 900 hours of training. And of that 900 hours, between 80 and 100 hours is training with the firearm. Eight hours is de-escalation training. That's for Connecticut. Most states don't require de-escalation training at all. When you train the police with this level of machismo or this macho version of policing, the we're the warriors, we must win, it's us versus them, that's problematic. 
part of that training has historically included neck restraints. The legislation currently being debated in Congress attempts to change that by prohibiting federal funding to police departments that use chokeholds. But Boyd says it wouldn't make enough of a difference. Does that mean we can't do chokeholds in policing anymore? No, because if you've determined that deadly force is warranted, you can use a chokehold. I want to emphasize, just because they banned it, that doesn't mean it can't be used if the situation calls for some type of carotid restraint. In some ways, it's kind of a dog whistle. It's allowing policing. Well, I mean, yeah, some instances require uh, chokeholds. Some do. You know, um, a lot of this police reform and police brutality uh, conversations are getting some police officers killed because they're being timid and they're not using their force the way they're supposed to. When it, when they're dealing with people that's resisting arrest or wrestling with a, uh, a suspect, it's getting a lot of them killed. You know, uh, there was a uh, a shooting. I, don't, I think that was in Tennessee last year, where, where the guy was trying to arrest a woman at Dollar General, and he he didn't pull his he didn't pull his firearm, and she got back in the car. I think he found like some some crack cocaine in, in a purse, and then she ran back in the car. And then he said, hey, 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 stop, 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 stop. And then she pulled out a gun and shot him. And then he shot back and killed her. Well, she, she like, drove down the street and died after after gunshot wounds. Uh, if you look at the the uh, the body cam of the police officer, you'll see that he did not – he could have done a lot of things better. Uh, he could have pulled his weapon faster. Uh, he could have tased her. Uh, he could have did more things to, to stop her from even getting in the car. You know, but I think because of the police reform and the police brutality and the defund the police conversation that these police are having, and, and some of these police agencies are bringing in doctors, bringing in social sciences and criminologists into the agency to kind of soften up the police officers a little bit, changing the rules a little bit. Well, that's also why you're having so many police officers quit as well. Let's move on. Bad policing to continue unchecked. Both Boyd and Obayashi are right. Police are given wide discretion in deciding what force is appropriate in any situation. This is because of a concept called qualified immunity. There's no law anywhere that says officers cannot use this type of force under any circumstances. If it's a split second situation, the law clearly recognizes there's no time to think the officer is in a fight for his or her life and needs to do whatever needs to be done in the circumstances. Qualified immunity shields officers from being held personally liable for excessive use of force as long as they haven't violated a clearly established law and they're judged on if they acted as a reasonable officer would in that situation. What that tells us is that elected officials or public servants, particularly police officers, are immune from civil or criminal prosecution while using their discretion, provided that at the time they believe that what they were doing was within the realm of the law and their job. And that's a really low bar. Democrats and Republicans take different stances on qualified immunity. Democrats want to get rid of it altogether. Republicans say it's a non-starter, it's a poison pill, and that the average police officer shouldn't have to be worrying about whether they're going to be taken to court uh, whenever they pull a weapon or uh, approach a situation. Another point of contention between the two political parties involves police... Qualified immunity, I kind of... I kind of tend to agree with Democrats on this. Um, it, it is your job as a police officer to take bad guys off the street, but there should be some, some more leeway as far as taking you to jail. It shouldn't be uh, a law out there that says you, 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 you're basically okay. Whatever happens, you know, uh, I, I don't, I don't believe in that. 
I'm I kind of tend to decide. I kind of tend to agree with the Democrats on this, but I don't think we should get away. They want to do away with it all together, but I don't think we should do that. But I do. I think I do think we should lift lift up the restraints of it a little bit, and and kind of allow that to happen. Um, the qualified immunity. Uh, let's let's let this do something to the law that um it doesn't like 100% guarantee that you're going to be okay if no matter what you do cuz that's kind of how it reads so i kind of tend to agree with the democrats on this one militarization over the last 20 years or so we've seen an over militarization of policing and we've seen it most recently with peaceful protests. The problem comes when I'm trying to peacefully protest and you show up in ultra-aggressive... Uh, the problem with the peaceful protest argument is that would work if you didn't have buildings being burnt down and people were dying at these quote-unquote peaceful, po- peaceful protests. They start out peaceful and then something happens and because the acts these bad actions are happening these bad activities bad activities as far as buildings burning down uh people dying uh people getting hurt uh these bad activities and bad circumstances and criminal activities happening at these people's peaceful protests and that brings the police and the military the militarization uh aspect of it comes from the police doing what they have to do to stop it Right. They got to bring batons. They got to bring shields. They got to bring up armored vehicles, riot control. They have to do all the things they have to do to control the riots, to control a uh, because the the protest turns into riots. It may start peaceful. You know, you get peaceful. You get peaceful protests. You can get even in the street. If you get a uh, permit, if you get a permit, you can peaceful protest in the street. But the problem is it turned into a riot. It turned into people stealing TVs, uh, hurting people, um, smashing police cars, smashing other cars, smashing windows out, uh, stealing merchandise, burning buildings down. It turned into that stuff. And the mayors and the, and the city managers and all the uh, the people in that city that really get up and go to work and do what they have to do, uh, that's right. They wanted it to be stopped, so the people, so the police had to put their riot gear, their riot unit, where there's horses, uh, more or uh, police officers on bikes, uh, shields, uh, helmets, batons, all that stuff, up, up armored vehicles. That's the militarization of police, but it had to happen. Here, that makes me now defensive. That makes me on edge. And that's the big concern that Democrats have. You know, if you're giving police officers modified tanks and weapons and body armor that you only normally see on a battlefield, how are they going to approach the public? What, um, so, (laughs) I'm in the Army and, um, I haven't seen one thing that the police have that we don't have on the battlefield. So what is she talking about that you don't normally see on the battlefield? We actually, uh, we don't have batons. So yeah, you don't, you don't see batons on the battlefield. Democrats want to limit what items can be transferred from the military to local departments. The Republican bill doesn't mention this in any way. I think the bill going through Congress is a good start. The problem is it became really watered down. They added caveats like, unless the police can articulate that they feared for their lives. That's a really low bar. Boyd says that the proposed legislation also falls short of effective reform with a national database of police conduct. People are Democrats want this database reform, to be public. Republicans want it to be available only to law enforcement agencies. And there's only really so much that Congress can do. Anytime Congress tries to place restrictions on how the executive branch gives out money, they kind of run into trouble. And so they can tell the Justice Department that they have to do this, but the Justice Department doesn't really have to follow through. When it comes to that use of force database, yeah, it might not have that much teeth. 
While Congress is currently at a stalemate for agreeing on a reform bill, lawmakers still see this as a time for action on police reform. These changes will happen, but they should not happen someday. This should be the day. This should be the time so that we can ensure that this nightmare ends in America. Again, we'll see what the final bill ends up looking like and what, if anything, reaches the president's desk and if he'll sign it. This has been going on for generations, dare I say hundreds of years. So changing police culture is like turning a battleship. It's going to be slow, but we can actually make it happen. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, I'll continue my discussion when I get back. This is LJ Show. You listen to it on GemmoKC86Radio.com. We're talking about is police brutality a real problem? Give us a text at 405-801-9663. You got me singing, ooh, yeah. It feels like summertime. Every time I hear your voice, you know I come alive. Uh, it feels like summertime. Wherever I am, yours, and I know you're mine. Put my hands up, I know you ride with a kid. I can rest and God to show y'all what a fight really is. Yeah, never left behind, you been the same, never switch up Gotta keep it real, no M.I.A. on a mission Can't replace purpose with a lot of ambition To focus on the work, when you look up, you can miss it Don't let the pressure push you out the way like a piston God been patient, really trying to teach me to listen yeah. I know that things are how they were before But I want you and nothing more You got me singing, ooh, yeah It feels like summertime, every time I hear doubt we are in a war? The battle is raging every minute of every day, and each day we are given a choice to engage the enemy or stand by and watch as over 2,300 innocent lives are extinguished every single day in the United States. When a young woman finds herself in an unplanned pregnancy, she may feel that there are no options, that there is nowhere to turn and no one to talk to. Abortion may be the only solution that seems right to her at the time, but there are options. Saving babies and souls is our mission. This mission starts with the clinic staff and their desire to witness to each and every girl that comes into their clinic. Our evangelism tool, The Invitation, encourages and educates the clinic staff and volunteers to openly share the gospel with clients on a daily basis. After being sent to over 500 clinics in 2020, over 2,100 pregnancy clinic directors, staff, and volunteers have now been trained to share the gospel. Fearlessly sharing the gospel to a young girl in an unplanned pregnancy is not an easy task. But consider the stakes. We know it is worth the fight. And we are seeing the fruits of those efforts as 370% more salvations are occurring in those clinics who have used the invitation. A picture is worth a thousand words, and when a client can see her baby thriving and growing inside of her, 
it changes everything. An ultrasound session allows the client to see her baby and realize that it is a child who deserves life. That is why in 2020, Preborn stationed 44 ultrasound machines and provided over 41,000 ultrasound sessions across the nation. Witnessing a changed life, a redeemed soul, and a saved baby are encouragement to keep going, to do more, and to continue the fight. Because of your partnership with Preborn, we are celebrating 31,407 babies saved in 2020 with 6,500 commitments to Christ and over 60,000 pregnancy tests. We thank you for the ever-growing impact you are making for God's kingdom. Preborn, glorifying Jesus Christ by operating, equipping, and leading pregnancy clinics to save more babies and souls. There is no greater impact than sa saving a preborn baby from abortion and giving from and giving the mom the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, given it simple and secure. Your gift of $140 provides a free ultrasound session for five moms who are facing unplanned pregnancies. Preborn is is our um is one of our partners here at Gem OKC eighty six radio. Uh, we love what they do. We believe in what they do. Listen, if you are doing something for uh to glorify God uh, we will support you. If you are doing something to glorify God, we will support you all day long. All day long. Uh, we're speaking about um, the police reform and the police uh, brutality. Is, a, is, a, is it a real problem or not? Is it a real problem or not? Uh, Senator Scott um, spoke. He, he had a, a a bill called the Justice Act to try to do something about police reform when Trump was in office, uh, President Trump was in office. Let's go ahead and play him uh, explaining what the Justice Act is. Hey, I'm Senator Tim Scott here to talk about a very important issue, the police reform bill that I've sponsored called the Justice Act. The vast majority of police officers do a really good job keeping our community safe. At the same time, black men are two and a half times more likely than white men to be killed by the police. That number has to come down. I myself have been stopped seven times in a single year as an elected official. My only offense, driving while black. George Floyd, Walter Scott, and Breonna Taylor should not be dead. The Justice Act will help to ensure that that list does not grow longer. Let's take a walk through the Justice Act. In the Justice Act, we deal with the issue of de-escalation and the duty to intervene. We want more training on these very important issues. As we walk through the tragedy of George Floyd, what we saw were three officers standing there that had an opportunity to intervene. We think the more training, the more emphasis, the more lives we save. Also in this section is the important issue around chokeholds. Here's the issue. About three quarters of the departments around the country, from my understanding, have already banned chokeholds. This is important because if the majority of our departments have already eliminated it, we think we should keep moving in that direction. Improving hiring practices. Here's what we've learned through history, that people of color typically recruit other people of color. We've learned that, that women recruit more women officers. Why is that the case? We don't know. The fact that it is the case, we do know. So we target more actual trainers, more recruiters to be from diverse communities so that we're able to have departments reflect the demographic makeup of their communities. Another aspect, the second aspect of this bill, ensures that when a candidate is interviewed, the department looking to hire will have access to their prior disciplinary records. We believe that as bad apples go from one department to another, preserving those records so that someone can do a reference check to find out that history is really important. The law enforcement reporting reforms is a critical aspect of the Justice Act. Here's what we think should be reported. If an officer is involved in an incident that leads to serious bodily injury 
or death, we want that information reported to the FBI. I have for the last five years been talking about the importance of body cameras. This bill, the Justice Act, focuses resources to make sure that more of our departments have the body-worn cameras so that when that light comes on, the whole picture is seen. And for those who don't turn it on, there are penalties in the legislation as well. Together, we will move this country to forward and at the same time, restore confidence in the institutions of authority. May God continue to bless the United States and specifically our law enforcement communities and the communities that they serve. Now, this, um, this justice act was filibustered by the Democrats because chokeholds were not abolished in the bill. That was, that was one of the main reasons why. Uh, that wasn't the, the full reason. The full reason is he's a black conservative and a black Republican, and you can't get nothing done. They're not gonna. They're not gonna let him get a win. Uh, if you're a black conservative, I'm sorry to say it. It's my opinion based off my experience. But if you're a black conservative, you are not gonna get uh, the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> I don't care how good your plan is. I don't have. I don't care. You know, he's just. It's. It's good. It's it, it was a great uh, bill, but he, he's a black conservative and a black Republican, and that's why they filibustered it. If that if that would have been Cory Booker over there, and the, on the Democrat side, uh, the Democrats would have voted for it one hundred percent, one hundred percent. But um, the problem with the um, with the politics, we're talking about the politics. Uh, police reform and is and talking. I asked the question: Is police brutality a real problem? You know, I'm going to do a poll on, on Twitter. Is police brutality a real problem? And uh, the the what lies behind the discussion? Uh, police reform is the politics of it, and the reason why we're having this conversation is because the activists and the politicians, right? And a lot of politicians are saying we want to defund the police. But they're using security and they're using tax dollars to pay for security. One of those politicians is uh, Re Representative Cory Bush from a from St. Louis district. Uh, I got an article here. Uh, campa uh, campaign and Representative uh, Cory Bush continues to selling out funds for security while the lawmaker advocates for defunding the police. The campaign. Uh, of Democratic Representative Cory Bush of Missouri is continuing to spend thousands of dollars on security, according to Fox News. Uh, the outlet reported that Federal Election Commission filings indicate that Bush could campaign shelled out $7,489 uh, $7, for security service during the period between January 1st and March 31st. Fox News noted that FEC records indicate that in 2021, that the congressman, congresswoman, campaign expended a whopping $233,633 for such services. Bush has been an outspoken, uh, outspoken advocate for defunding the police. Our police system is built to enable white supremacy. It is not just a few bad apples, it's a rotten tree. We need to transform public safety, and that starts with defunding the police, reinvesting in our communities. The lawmaker tweeted last year, during an interview on C uh, <coughs> CBS in last year, Bush said that we should make sure I we should that she, that she she would make sure that, that I have security base because I know I have attempts on my life. But that's understandable. That's completely understandable. You have attempts, attempts on your life and your family. You need security, and you have the right to pay for security. But when you do that, on top of saying let's defund the police, meaning take resources away, take funding, take money away from the police, the police department that they need to train, and also needs for um, uh, <clears throat> things like community policing. Community policing is one of the, it, it is probably the most important thing as far as 
the policing and their relationship with the community, community policing. Programs uh, that they do to support the community and build relationships up with people in the community. But if you take funding away, those programs kind of go away. You know, I had something in school called SAVE program where a police officer came to my elementary class and taught us about the law and about um, life values and how to stay away from certain drugs, gangs, and um, criminal activity. You know, that's called community policing. That's one of the aspects of community policing. Also, um, volunteer ride-alongs, uh, uh, hotlines, neighborhood watch, things like that. Uh, Bush's car was hit by gunfire early this year. Bush was on. Uh, Bush was not in the vehicle and was not hurt. The lawmaker's office noted, according to NBC News, which also reported that the office noted that that it did not think Bush was targeted purposely. So she was in St. Louis and in her district, and she got hit, and the, her car got hit by gunfire. So that was one of the examples of <laughs> a police, police officers needed on the street during that time. So the problem with defund the police, and this is, comes from politicians and activists, we're talking about the politics behind the police reform and uh, police police brutality being a real problem. Is the the pol- it comes from these politicians and these activists. That's where it comes from. But these people have high credit scores. They don't get in trouble. Uh, they, they don't have. They don't really have a record. Okay, they got degrees. Um, I mean, they got high school diplomas, degrees. They got cars. They got assets. They got property. They have property. Um, they have stock. Most of them. So these people are not even putting themselves in this position. And one one thing that I've I've asked people that that are components for police reform and, and defund the police and just get rid of the police altogether, like Representative Elon Omar is. She just she said we should just just demolish the Minnesota Police Department. Is uh, I was having a discussion, or I guess an argument with my brother-in-law about this. Uh, <clears throat> I said, well, when you uh, when you get arrested from the police, by the police, when you get arrested by the police, and this is for anybody out there that's for defunding the police or uh, just demolishing the whole police department that really hates the police department. When you get arrested, uh, do you resist arrest? When you get arrested... Do you resist arrest? Now, I did something there with that question. I did two things. I did a reality check for the people that <laughs> want to abolish the police and want to defund the police. I did two things. When you get arrested, do you resist arrest? That's what I asked my brother-in-law. And he said, well, I don't get arrested. I said, why don't you get arrested? Well, I don't break the law. Why don't you break the law? Because I want to keep coming home to my family. I don't want to go to jail. Why don't you want to go to jail? I, I just kept going down the line of of uh, <laughs> unveiling his his non argument to this. I'm like, well, it's a reason why you don't want to not go to jail. It's a reason why you don't resist arrest. So why not promote? those reasons and promote the reason why you don't do that that's 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 all i'm saying it's the reason why you don't want to get arrested it's the reason why you want to follow the law why not promote that instead of promoting defund the police the police are bad all this and that under the sun why not promote that because there's a reason why you don't want to get arrested there's a reason why you live in a way that keeps your name out of the system. Why not promote that? I mean, why not? This is the LJ Show. Text us to 405-801-9663. 405-801-9663. I'll be right back. 
with uh, Christian View of Knowledge. That is our text line. Are you falling off? Are you falling off? I'll be praying for you. Don't fall off, man. Well, we all fall off. The Bible says all have fallen. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So at some point you will fall off. And just get back on. Just get back on. Find your way back to God. And um find your way back to the principles of God. And um we'll be praying for you. Praying for you. All right. All right. This is the LJ Show. You listen to it on GemOKC86Radio.com. GemOKC86Radio.com. Let's get, let's get into our uh, the Christian view of knowledge out of the Apologetics 101 playbook written by Brad Anderson. Today is the danger. We're going to talk about the danger of, neutri- of neutrality. Neutrality. N-E-U-T-R-A-L-I-T-Y. So let's start reading. Some suggest that in defending and propagating the gospel, believers uh, should take should take more of a neutral attitude. That is, Christians should encourage unbelievers to take an honest, impartial look at the Bible and Christianity and judge it for themselves. People should not assume anything. They should simply look at the Bible like in other book, honestly and impartially. If the Bible seems to make reasonable sense, if it holds up, to critical investigation, then it is acceptable. If not, then disregard it. The problem with such a <clears throat> such an approach, as noted above, is that everyone starts with some presuppositions. Those who are des- those who desire an impartial investigation of the Bible assume that they are qualified to engage in such an investigation. They pre- presupp- they presuppose that their own intellect. It's sufficient to judge whether the content of the Bible is reasonable. In fact, the Bible itself claims 
that the principles of that the principles contained in, in it would not make sense to non-believers. Non-believers. The wisdom of God is foolishness to men. 1 Corinthians 1 and 18. Hence, from non-believing, neutral point of view, the Bible will never be acceptable. It makes no sense, therefore, to encourage unbelievers to impartially judge the Bible. Rather, we must encourage and even demand that unbelievers submit to and obey the Bible, whether they recognize it its authority or not. We do not hold the Bible up for critical scrutiny. We simply proclaim its truths and let the clips fall, let the chips fall where they where they may. I like that. We do not hold the Bible up for critical scrutiny, aka deconstruction. That's what deconstruction is. If you hear people talk about deconstruction, that's what that is. They they scrutinizing the Bible. Uh, the scrutinizing the church, scrutinizing Christianity. We do not hold the Bible up for critical scrutiny. We simply proclaim its truths and let the chips fall where they lay, where they may. All right. You shall not att- you should not tempt, make trial of Jehovah your God, Deuteronomy six and sixteen. When Satan tempted Jesus to do so, to push God in offering proof of the veracity of his word, as quoted by Satan. Jesus rebuked Satan, the accuser, with these very words from the Old Testament. It is not God whose whose integrity and veracity and knowledge is somehow to suspect. It is that of those who would accuse him and demand proof to satisfy their own way of thinking or living. In every area of life, the Bible demands uh, submission to its principles. Christians must be committed to the Bible thinking in every area. Hmm, I like that. Christians must be Christians must be committed and to biblical thinking in every area. And this is what I've been saying for a long time. Um, no matter what, you gotta think biblically about everything. If you think biblically about everything or do your best to, you're not gonna go wrong. You're not gonna go wrong. Um, in every area in every area of your life, the Bible demands submission to its principles. <laughs> in every area of life, the, my, the Bible demands the Bible demands submission to its principles. So that deconstructs the deconstruction arg- argument, because a lot of the deconstruct deconstruction crowd, people that use deconstruction, they disregard what the Bible says in a lot of areas. All right, Paul asserts that in all wisdom and knowledge are deposited in the person of Christ. Colossians 2, 3 through 8. <clears throat> every thought is in the same way, is in some, every thought is in some way related to Jesus Christ. Christians must refuse to think like unbelievers. To attempt a supposed neutrality or independence in our own thinking will be an act of disloyalty. We are dependent upon God and the Bible and have no right of ability to assert our intellects apart from God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 1 and 7. A rational thought is based on correct understanding of what of God and his word. Wow. 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 That was uh, the danger of neutrality. Uh, and that was out of, um, once again, we're in the apologetics one-on-one playbook. We're talking about the our lesson plan is the Christian view of knowledge. We're on, we're on lesson two. You can download this from G3 Ministries website. This is written by Brad Anderson. And this is the danger of neutrality. And um, this is great, man. So every day I'm going to read um, a lesson plan out of this uh, this playbook. So we are not implying, and so this this is the last paragraph. We are not implying in any of this that the Bible is essentially unreasonable, mistaken, full of genuine contradictions and absurdities, or unable to withstand investigation. Christianity is not blind faith that simply believes in respective of the evidence. Reason is not the enemy of Christian faith. Perhaps no other worldview has has as high in a regard for logic as Christianity does. Critics have been examining the Bible for centuries in their quest to find fatal flaws 
or any proof that the Bible is not trustworthy. While one must admit that the Bible does contain many things difficult to understand, that there are some problems not easily resolved. There are no obstacles so serious that they destroy or even reduce the Bible's credibility, as we shall see. So that was the the danger of neutrality. And uh, once again, you can find this on G3's Ministries website. Um, let's see. Yeah, that was the end of it. Yeah. That was the end of it. Uh, NBA scores from last night. Let's pull them up here. Oh, Bulls beat the Bucks. 76ers beat the Raptors. Uh, Celtics beat the Knicks. I watched that game. Yeah, I actually watched that game. Uh, the Celtics. They came back by like 10 or 15 down or something like that. Or I think it was like 18 down. Uh, the Nets are done. They're done. The Nets are done. How many championships has KD won when he wasn't uh, that when he didn't have three other superstars, three other all stars. How many? The answer is zero. <laughs> the answer is zero, man. That's how many. All right, it's time for our Oklahoma City Community Resource Update. I mean, spotlight. That is uh, our spotlight today is, is Northeast Resource Center. Located on 1415 Northeast 23rd Street, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, 73111. Uh, Northeast Resource Center. Located on 1415 Northeast 23rd Street, 73111. All right. So go to to their website at nerci.org. That's N-E-R-C-I.org. So About Us reads on their website, our Northeast Resource Center, our business is helping you see whether you need help with life planning, support, or resources to change the direction of your life. We offer programs and services you need to make your life better. This is founded in 1993 by Marilyn Long. So Northeast Resource Center, they're doing great things. That is our community resource spotlight of the day, of the, I mean, of the week. Every Thursday, we're going to spotlight a community resource in Oklahoma City. And this week is the Northeast Resource Center. Let me see. You can contact them on their website. My internet's been slow. All right, by phone, 405-673-7355. That's 405-673-7355. Or you can send them an email at webadmin at nursey.org. All right. This is the LJ Show. I thank you for joining me today. Uh, remember, go ahead and download our podcast on all podcast platforms. If you miss the show, we're going to be live every day at 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. on jamokeycd6radio.com. I am LJ Johnson. I'll talk to you all tomorrow. Y'all have a great day.